Welcome to the Mothers You Know podcast. Thank you for being here. This is a place where we as women remember the spirit God gave us. We know how much we matter and we believe all things are possible to them that believe on this Savior Jesus Christ. Here at Mothers Who Know, we support the parents of young men in the Sons of Helaman and young women in the Daughters of Light programs at Life Changing Services. These programs provide therapeutic and mentoring services for youth struggling with depression, anxiety, self-harm, pornography, and any other unwanted or difficult behaviors. We offer parent support, training, and resources for mothers and fathers seeking the best way to support their loved one. Any mother is welcome to join in the Mothers Who Know classes support and training. You do not need to have a child in life-changing services to join in. We hope you'll join us. I am Karen Broadhead. I serve as the director of Mothers You Know, and I serve as the parent support specialist at life-changing services. I invite you to join with me and other mothers from across the country in our Warrior Mothers Who Know online support and training group held every Tuesday at 10.30 a.m. Mountain Time. If you have a child struggling with pornography, depression, anxiety, or other difficult behaviors, you will find a safe and uplifting place to learn from other moms and learn principles and strategies to best support your loved one. Please go to MothersWhoKnow.org to find the online meeting details. We talk about difficult things here with the intent to shine light in dark corners and to eliminate isolation and shame. We are mothers with warrior hearts who are raising the warriors of this generation. We know we must learn to fight well for ourselves first. Then we can confidently support and cheer on our loved ones in the best ways. Welcome to our Mothers Who Know Stay by the Tree webinar series. This is the third in our series of three, so it's going to be exciting today. I'm just going to go through a few slides with everybody to introduce who we are and what we do, and then we'll introduce our speaker. This series is sponsored by Life Changing Services, and within Life Changing Services, we have a program called Mothers Who Know. Life Changing Services offers training and healing for the whole family. We offer clinical services. We have lots of therapists that we work with, lots of programs that we work with. We work with families, we work with individuals, we work with teenagers. And I know those, it's really, really hard to find services, especially for teenagers. So anyway, check us out, lifechangingservices.org. Or if you have any questions, please feel free to give us a call at 877-437-6877. And our amazing ladies who answer the phone can answer any questions that you might have. Within Mothers Who Know, we offer a course called Mom Power Training. This is an eight-week self-guided online training course. And then we also offer live mini classes every Tuesday at 9 a.m., actually just right here in this same Zoom room. And we're going to be starting a new uh, set of those live classes on Tuesday, November 18th. But you're welcome to sign up for Mom Power Training at any time. It is free, just so you know. And you're probably thinking, why in the world are they offering this for free? And then they're doing like a whole big commercial here right in the beginning for it. But anyway, we just have found some amazing tools and principles that help women find courage and peace as a mom and help them stand strong in any of the challenges that we have going on in life right now. And we just want to share that with everybody. So some of the things that you'll learn in Mom Power 
It will help increase your peace and spiritual routines, help you build stronger bonds in your family relationships, increase your ability to center your life in Christ, fortify your divine identity and purpose, will empower you to recognize and defeat the tactics of the adversary and increase your faith community and help you have a group that supports you, a group of like-minded women that will help support you through any challenges that you may have. This is a safe place for women and it just teaches you some amazing, amazing skills. So mompowertraining.com or mompowertraining.org, either one will take you to the same place. So bring a friend along. If you've taken it before and you want to do it again, you're welcome to take it as many times as you'd like. And if you think this is just amazing, invite a friend, invite your family members, whoever you want. It's open to everybody. So today, in between those eight-week live mini lessons of Mom Power, we have our Stay by the Tree Messages of Hope, where we bring in some amazing guests that will just share their stories with you and share their messages of hope. And I'll just tell you, we don't give the speakers a topic. We just let them decide in the spirit what it is they feel like moms need to hear. So today, we have Ashley Corgan Boyson. And I have to think about that because it used to be different. So anyway, and she will tell a little bit about her story, I'm sure a little bit and why her name used to be different, but she is the third in our series of three. So if you've missed any of the other two, we have a podcast channel, Mothers Who Know, and you'll find all of the other uh, webinars we put on our podcast channel. So today, Ashley's going to talk about Parenting is not for the birds is her topic. And I have some slides. I'm going to let Karen introduce her a little bit later, but I'm going to go through a few of these slides. And for those that are watching, there's going to be slides of her family that I'm skipping, and then we're going to come back to those. So a little bit about Ashley. If you want to learn a bit more about her life story, she has a blog. And on there, she's got pretty much all of the information about her life and her story. She's very open. She very much wants to help other people. So go to themomentswestand.com and you can read a little bit more about her. She also has a nonprofit called A Reason to Stand. And A Reason to Stand is devoted to serving and assisting individuals who have suffered through trauma by empowering them with community, truth, and helping them find the confidence to write a new story with grace. So if you want to learn more about her nonprofit, go to areasontostand.org, and that will give you a lot more information. Also, Ashley Speaks, she does conferences. She is a guest speaker at a lot of different places. And so if you want her to come speak, or if you want more information about some of her conferences, also go to areasontostand.org. And then if you just want to follow Ashley, because she's just amazing and, you, and she's very inspiring, to, uh, you can follow her on both Facebook and Instagram. And you can, again, look for at The Moments We Stand or at A Reason to Stand. So both on Facebook and Instagram, she's there. And then if you've gone to all of those places and you just can't get enough and you think, oh, I've got to know more. Like these blog posts are awesome, but there's only, you know, like a three minute read. And I'm one of those people that likes on these really cold days just to send my kids off to school and then just sit on the couch and read a book all day long and be inspired. Then go to Amazon and check out Ashley's books. She has one called Silence Breaks. That's her first one. And then her second book is called Out of the Shadows. Now these, you'll notice that the author's name is Ashley Burke. So when you're going to Amazon, you might need to look it up that way. And Ashley is A-S-H-L-E-E. -E. 
So just in case you're looking that up, you'll want to make sure you spell it right. But I'm sure you can get links to her books on both of her websites also. And then just one last thing I forgot to say, if you want just to contact Ashley or to book her for any speaking events, you can email her at themomentswestand at gmail.com. So you're welcome to contact her, ask any questions, or even after today, if you just think, oh, I just have a question I need to ask Ashley, I really want to know something, go ahead and email her and I'm sure she'll get back with you. So, all right, I'm going to switch back to these really cute pictures of her family that are on here, and then I'll let Karen introduce her. Awesome. Well, let's see. Oh, Ashley, tell us just a little bit about this photo, because, well, first, before you do that, I just need to tell everybody how much I adore Ashley. I'm so grateful that she's my friend. I'm thankful to know her. The way that I met Ashley is I have just the most wonderful, adorable sister-in-law who had been following Ashley because Ashley and I, we, we love the same state, which is Idaho. We both grew up and did lots of living in Idaho. Now we're both in Utah, but my sister-in-law connected with Ashley and she says, have you heard of this woman? I just love this woman. And I was like, I haven't, I haven't heard of her. And so anyway, I reached out and she came to Ogden to do an event. Uh, one of your reasons to stand, I think it might've been one of your first events that you did here outside of Idaho. I'm not sure, Ashley, do you remember what event that was? Yeah, I think it was the, I want to say it was the first one in Utah. Yeah. A yeah. while ago. Right. We met in the Ogden Temple Grounds and it was just so cool to sit and talk to her. And it was so evident to me through the spirit that I was just meeting a really awesome soul just meeting her there, just feeling like, wow, this woman has a lot of grit in she understands God's grace. And she has been asked to go through a lot so far. And as we've been friends, and I've watched her and she's taken one of my eternal wires classes and things, but I just have just learned more about her, but also had the feeling of the most important thing to Ashley is her family. And you'll get that if you go look up more about her and her God. Her God is first, her family, and she just is really open about what it looks like to really have a lot of grit and understand grace at the same time. And I'm so grateful for that. So Ashley, tell us a little bit about this these photos. They're so awesome. Okay. Oh, these are our wedding pictures. So the cute little man on my arm right there is named Scott. We've been married for two and a half years. Cool. And that cute little monkey looking child in the last picture, little cabbage patch. We had that little girl together, Kennedy, and she's a year and a half now. And then we have this one coming. See that Billy? Another girl and she'll be here in six weeks so and then I think that okay that was the birth announcement picture for this one with the, all the kids at the bottom yeah that's what those pictures are that's about yeah so, well yeah Ashley has such a beautiful family and something that I've always admired about you Ashley is 
even though once people get to know a little bit, a little bit about your story and then they get to know you, it's obvious that you're extremely generous with your vulnerability and it allows other people to see themselves honestly and their mess. And also to understand that they're not alone. So. I think that's been my biggest goal of being vulnerable because during those crazy times that we're all going to have, or we've all already had, or both apparently, we, we feel so alone and isolated. And I don't know, my whole life, I remember even on the playground as a little girl, like, I don't want that person to feel alone. Like, get over here. Let's, let's huddle together so you don't have to feel alone. And that's really driven me. I, know that, I don't know where that comes from, really. It's just kind of like been part of me. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely a gift and connected to a mission that I think Heavenly Father has asked you to live and you're living it beautifully. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for your introduction. That was like the best introduction I've ever heard. Oh, good. I think we can be done here. Oh, <laughs> no, we're just getting started. This is going to be awesome. So you gals that are here are here to hear a conversation between Ashley and I about parenting is not for the birds. When Ashley and I met last week to, to, to talk about this, another thing I love about Ashley is she's super chill. Like she's super chill. She doesn't get stressed out about stuff. And if she does, you can't tell she's ever stressed out about it. But she just is like, sure, whatever. Oh yeah, that sounds good. And so I did communicate with her that I just think there's so much that she has to share that I want to try to minimize what I say and maximize what she says. And so I'm going to try to run this more like a podcast interview than a good conversation between the two of us. And so I'm just going to ask Ashley some questions and I sent her some questions ahead of time, but really with us, if you'll just throw up a little prayer in your heart and your mind, that what we'll talk about today will be something that will benefit you right where you're at, because that's our goal. So Ashley, one of the things I guess I would ask you is, along with our topic, like, why would you say just that statement of parenting is not for the birds? Oh, and, well, yeah, go for it. To, like why I said it in that moment, my the time you reached out to me to do this, my daughter was just on her way to a, an eating disorder facility. And I, not just then, I think I thought that was the hard part seven weeks ago now, almost. It's just been rough. It's been a, a long seven weeks and I'm still trying to figure out how to manage myself, let alone give any advice about how to manage it. Yeah. So that's where that statement came from. Just feeling a little overwhelmed in my, in my space where I'm at right now. And with the, the plan that Heavenly Father had where I had to hand over my daughter instead of me being able to try to fix her and help her and do things. Yeah. That, that's harder for me than, than feeling the weight of trying to fix everything myself. I'd rather do it myself and try to have that power and not have to give it up. Oh, for sure. That's where I was during that week. Yeah. And, you know, the just that statement of, you know, that power, especially when our kids are in tough spots, like spots that you think, how did we get here? 
right? You're like, how in yeah. the world did we get here? And if you want to know more about, you know, all the details of Ashley, again, as shared so generously with her daughter's permission in a blog post, the story of discovering her, her daughter's issues and just facing those and finding out more about that and how to care for that. But yeah, I think that statement that you just said, I just would rather be able to feel like I have some power in the situation and be able to fix it. So how's Heavenly Father helping you? How is Christ helping you give that up in this situation? Oh, you know, for me, just like times in the past, I think sometimes the moments I rely on him the most is when I feel the most vulnerable and scared. And so he's given me another opportunity to realize that he is the one with the strength that I need the most. And he is the one that my daughter needs the strength from. And I, I think humility would be the best word just going, you know, I, I, I trust you. Like I, I promise you, I trust you, but it's still really hard and I don't really know everything. So together, if you can, if you can help me out how to cope here, I trust that you're going to find those answers for her too. Yeah. It's so huge. I think that's one of the things that was so difficult for me to learn was giving up that just how hard I wanted to hold on because I had enough love. I had enough history. I had enough, you know, just guts and grit to get out there and just do whatever it took, whatever we need to do. That's what we'll do. Totally. But then when you get to this place of, it doesn't matter how much I have, I'm still not enough to heal you. Not enough to do this. Yeah. So did you find yourself getting to a place where you were exhausted because you were wanting yeah. to do more than you could do? Before she left and since she's left, it's, there's days where I'm like, I just want to lay in bed. Like, why is this affecting me so much? <laughs> and, and the more I've prayed about it, I'm like, I have all these other kids that need me. And how is this one child like always on my thoughts and all night long. And it's been interesting to kind of look at heavenly father's perspective. Cause I've had times in my life where I'm like, he's forgotten about me. He doesn't give a rip. Like I'm just alone here. And I think that's how Boston feels right now. Just maybe they forgot about me, even though they re- we write her letters, but just that overwhelming feeling of feeling so isolated and alone and trying to put myself in heavenly father's shoes. Like, no, my, I have a lot of kids. This is number seven. Heavenly Father has millions of us, but when one of us is lost or hurting or alone or broken, he, his energy is going to us, whether we like physically can feel it or see it. And that's been really eye-opening for me the last few weeks. The first few weeks, I didn't feel any of that. I was like, yeah, you tell me to make lemonade. I I'll make some freaking version of it later. But right now, like, I don't want to, like, I just want to hurt. But the last few weeks, just kind of getting that perspective of our Heavenly Father and He loves us. Like, He never forgets about us. He's up in the night. I lay in my bed some nights, like, just praying and praying, praying for this girl who is lost and never forgotten. And that's really helped me in my state where I am. Like, He knows where you are. 
just like in every other trial you've gone through, he knows and he's not going to forget you just like you're not forgetting that that one girl I mean she has a twin that looks just like her we could say it's easy to forget him but he doesn't forget us I'm so grateful that you said that yeah I know that I helped so many people and that helped me too isn't it amazing how many hard things we can go through and then really truly how much we learn about Heavenly Father and his love as we're parenting Absolutely. Like, it's incredible because, I mean, you've been through some pretty sloshy stuff, right? Like, oh, that's pretty stretchy. Like, you've been through some really difficult things in your life. But for you to be open to be taught at a level, you know, that you couldn't have learned or heard or understood at the level that you just expressed without this situation and then having the testimony come hit your heart again from another angle, fortifying that thought that I'm right here, Ashley. I've got her. I've got you. I don't leave. So cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about your, oh, like what kind of things have come to your mind as you've considered talking to us about this topic of, you know, as you've thought, I'm going to meet with all these women and we're going to address this topic of parenting is not for the birds, but is there anything about your story from the past that you feel inspired to share? And what else has come to your mind that you have thought, I'd like to share this? Yeah. Well, I've done a lot of parenting through trauma and of traumatized children who sometimes they're reactions or their everyday living comes out kind of sideways. So it's been interesting to watch them all approach those feelings, those fears in different ways. And I actually went to school to help children through this stuff, which is very ironic, but doing it with your own children is so different because your heart is into it and you're going through the trauma and watching them go through trauma is a is a trauma in itself. And so it's a lot, it's a lot more different than sitting as a counselor on a pedestal and helping people, you know? But one thing I think I've, I've grasped the, grasped the most through that is children need to be loved right where they are. They need a lot of boundaries, which is also a form of love that I think a lot of us parents, I've, I've been, I've been guilty of it too. A lot of us parents in these hard times want to give them everything and make things easy for them. And, and for me, I've learned that that actually hurts them the most. Like they have their own reason why they're here on earth and their own reason why they have to go through these struggles. And if we always, especially like, I don't know, I see a lot of my friends through divorce and stuff like, Oh no, it's been too hard. I can't, I can't make them do jobs. I can't hold them accountable for these things because they're going through this hard stuff. Like we can't make excuses for behaviors that aren't appropriate, but we also need to love them through those behaviors, which is a really hard balance. But finding that balance of boundaries are love and love, love doesn't always look like I'm just going to give them everything and make things easy for them. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about just the trauma because like your whole family went through trauma. 
So just tell us a little bit about, because the women you're talking to, a lot of the women you're talking to today get trauma and yeah. trauma, trauma in parenting. Like, I love that you just mentioned that, yeah, that meeting people right where they're at can be one of the most healing things. And then also identifying the mistake that we often can make in not having any expectation at all because their life is so hard and that hurts us to watch and it must just be so hard. So let's just make your life as easy as possible. I think there's a time and a place for that, but not a, you know, let's just make that the new normal. Right. Because there's lots of adjusting that has to happen when it comes to, what's the word, when it comes to what you mentioned, meeting people right where they're at requires a lot of adjusting on our part. Yeah. It also requires us to help them not stick on a victim badge and just walk around for the rest of their lives moaning about this thing that happened to them or just playing video games to numb it or whatever it is that they're going through in their struggle. As a, as a mom helping our children through that stuff, I think it's even more important to make sure they're not just like avoiding the hard. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I'll give you an, I'll give you an example. Cause my, my son Teague, when his dad died was just a hot mess. Like he was like a shell of a human being. I think him and I had a lot in common with that. Like just the fog was always there. And how old and is he? How he was four. He? Yeah. He had some extra trauma added to it. He had like been on a date with the other woman and my husband and like all this extra baggage for him with a lot of guilt and I started taking him to counseling right away, but he, he was lashing out at his sister. He'd kick her in the face and he'd do this stuff. And I'd put him in timeout and it, it was just like over and over and over. And I walked into his room one day and he was just like so mad. He wasn't even going to talk to me. And I was like, Hey, can you tell me what's going on? And he's like, my dad died. And at first I was like, that's true. You know, like your dad died. You should be able to kick people in the face like this. This is something you should be able to do. This sucks. But then I was like, you know what? No, my husband died. That doesn't mean I'm going to kick you in the face. That doesn't mean I'm going to just yell at you all the time. Like you have to hold yourself together, bro. And, and he kind of just looked at me like, wait, what? We're, we're not going to make an excuse, but just stuff like that over and over. I feel like through their lives, that has been a way that I could show them love. Like you got this just because this hard thing is going on. Doesn't mean we're going to let go of all the values we've had and not be kind anymore and all those things. Oh, excellent. Yeah. What are some of the things, what are there any other things you've noticed um, about helping children through trauma that you'd like to share? Oh, let's see. You know, I have a couple of kids who are the avoiders who want to just play the video games and do the things that are very distracting. Even since Boston left, I've watched all of them kind of get triggered back. And in counseling appointments, I've heard like Titus, my youngest, he's like, well, my daddy Emmett died when I was a baby and my, I lost my stepsister Jordan when my mom got divorced and now Boston's gone. Like I know she's never coming back. Like that's his belief right now. And he's so stuck in that. So as I've seen him like go to the avoidance or being more frustrated or being more hyper, it's been helpful to go back like at night, talk to him like, Hey, how are you feeling about this? And finally, he was like, if I could just see her face, I'd be okay. And so we 
made an appointment. They haven't been able to FaceTime her at all, but I asked her counselor, like, not for Boston, but for the other kids, they need to know that their sister is okay. They've lost like 12 people to death and all these, this other situation with divorce. And I think just being really aware of their emotions, anger is always a cover for something. And with my kids, if I can get them down to like, what is that something we're trying to protect? It's usually always just heartfelt pain or fear of something from their past happening again, or it just, it just depends. There's so many, so many different ways people handle trauma, but it shows up in the strangest ways. And it's usually the most annoying things that they're doing that you're like, Whoa, why all of a sudden are we doing acting like this, but just really getting down to like the base of what's really going on has been really helpful for me. We do a lot of journaling and right now Boston had to write her life story. So I'm having the other kids write their life story just to get it out. There's that part in our brain that holds on to trauma. And if it's not released in some way, talking, talking to someone or writing it out or just getting it out, that's what we're really working on right now. And stuff from many, many years ago, it's crazy. Yeah. Oh, we just got a little message. What did somebody say? I think it said something about what is my, my history. Do you want me to just share that real quick though? Yeah. Yes. So it makes more sense when I'm talking about traumatized children. Sure. Well, like she said, I've had a few name changes. Facebook started to get worried about me a few years back. And they're like, are you okay? You keep changing your last name. Just kidding. <laughs> they didn't really. Okay, so worries about people. For about, for almost exactly seven years, I was married to a man named Emmett. And we had those five older children that you saw in the picture. And he, in 2011, was murdered. He was having an affair with a mistress. And she worked for us and her husband came and found them at Walgreens and her husband shot my husband once in the forehead and once in the heart. And he obviously died on the scene there. So that was kind of our first big, that that's where my blog comes from. After the murder trial, I realized that I had just like stuffed everything inside of me and decided I wanted my children to know their history someday when their stuff started coming up. And I started a blog and just kind of, it really turned out, I thought it was going to be like a pouring out of hate and horrible language, but it turned out to be more of a reflection of, of the miracles that I had found and felt through all of that chaos. I remarried, had a sweet little stepdaughter. And for about six years, I worked really hard to, let's call it, hold together a man who had a lot of different addictions that I didn't know he had. And I kind of got, so the night Emma died, I prayed really, really hard for a do-over that Heavenly Father would just like rewind the night, no gun. We get to, I have all the information and we get to fix it. And then I kind of got my do-over in the form of another person coming and creating really similar scenarios. And that time I got to make choices for myself, which I thought if I would have been able to have that chance, I would have fixed it with Emmett. He would have come back. We would have all been fine. My kids would have not gone through all that trauma. But instead, as I prayed about what to do, I, I felt this strong urge for about three months that I was worth more than what both of these men had given me. And it was one of the scariest things I had to do in my whole life because I always thought divorce was like a cop out and you just were, you were just 
I mean, not like I didn't outwardly think that, but my, when my mom got divorced, I was like, oh, she just, she's not strong enough to like figure it out. And that was a belief I had to work through because then I got asked to do the same. And I had to leave a sweet stepdaughter and my children actually were really grateful that we were going because it had gotten pretty bad. And now we're in Utah and I'm remarried again. So that's three last names and a main name. That's four. I know. <laughs> it's one of those things that I'm Woo! like, that would, that would never be me. But here we are. So those are kind of the big traumas that my children have been through that we're still working through. And yeah. 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 And it, it's just so layered. Isn't it amazing how layered? Because you could say, here's the big story. And that's what it sounds like. But yeah. then all the different ages they reach, the different things they hit, how they address that again now with this understanding. Um, yes. And you doing the same thing in your life with your own trauma that you've been through and all the stuff that you're adjusting to and growing from. And yeah, now with, with Scott, I went to Ashley's wedding reception that she had here in Utah and I just barely made it before they were leaving for their honeymoon, the two of them. And anyway, it was just so thrilling. It was thrilling to see you with him and to see the love of your children for each other and for you and him. Anyway, I don't think I'll ever forget. I just, you know, I got to be part of the little line where they come out and then they go get in their car and drive off, you know, and it was just so sweet to, to participate in that and to, to notice because we can feel, and I know you understand this better than so many people, we can feel in the hardest things in our life, it's never getting better. It's never going to be better. It's always going to be hard. And so, yeah, how, tell me what you've learned about that. Oh, uh, I think maybe some of you can relate. I think I made like a checklist when I was little of like things that I would be okay handling. I'd already like gone through my parents' divorce and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'm going to make a contract here that I'll be all this list that I know you want me to be. And then you go ahead and sign here. And Heavenly Father was like, oh, that's cute. I thought he signed, but he apparently did it. So I, I think it's like a surprise. It's kind of like dinner every day when you're a mom, you're like, Oh wait, I have to make dinner again. Like I already made dinner yesterday and so many other days. How do I keep forgetting that I have to do this again? At least that's me some days. Like it just surprises me. It's crazy. But when stuff comes up, you're like, but, but I like, I already learned all these lessons. I already went through the hard crap. Like, why are we back at hard? And well, I, I did learn a lot in school that trauma isn't going to even start to come out until you're in more of a safe place, which put into practice again. I was like, why, why am I feeling all of this again? Like when I was pregnant with Kennedy two years ago, I went through all these emotions all over again. And I'm like, I kept praying, like, why am I going through this right now? It's been what, eight years? And I'm, I'm like going back to my pregnancy with Titus right after he was born, Emmett died. And it just triggered me. Like my whole pregnancy, I was constantly working through this heavy stuff from the past. 
And, and so I started like talking to my, talking to counselors and like, what, what is happening? But until you are in a safe place, the trauma doesn't even begin to release. Like, yes, it, it like triggers you a lot, but actually like releasing it and letting go of it and working through it, your body has to feel safe. And I've been watching my kids the last couple of years, just do that same thing. Like how can we're clear back now, 10 years almost out. And we're barely scratching the surface sometimes of getting this stuff out. But anyways, did I even answer your question? Like I just kept going. No, you know what? You're just <laughs> like me. I love it. I, I talk and think, what am I saying? Lots of words. They really mean a lot to me. And I think it's awesome. I'm going the right direction. So that was beautiful. Okay, good. Yeah. But you know what it does bring to mind is kind of another way to think about the scripture. That's our motto for mothers, you know. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, and it's, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Because fear is real. Like, it's so real. It's also very real that the adversary hooks into any place in our life that is generating fear and wants to stir that up even greater and hold us there. But the fact that that scripture says the spirit God gave us was a power and of love and of a sound mind, just your thought about being able to heal when you're in the right spirit or ready to connect with the spirit God gave you. Because uh, what you have just described there is wh- why am I feeling this fear again? Why am I feeling these things again? Like I've worked through that. I know the spirit God gave me. I did all the cool stuff about it, but here it is again. Um, isn't that cool to know, you know? Yeah. It's just cool to consider it like that. Absolutely. Fear is such a, well, you know, it's just one of those, you don't know when it's coming back up. You don't know what's going to, I had times for years that like, even the doorbell would ring and I just get that little spark of like, Oh my gosh, something's wrong. Or sirens would pass me going to help somebody. And it would just that fear. It just like, it feels like it literally picks you up sometimes and puts you back. Like it puts me back on the couch with these two detectives telling me all this horrible stuff. And I'm just like spinning again. And that I think, I think a lot of times Satan uses that tool to keep us from moving forward because when we're in fear, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot we can give, especially to ourselves. And he, he takes those moments when he takes, when he would always take me back to that couch, it wasn't just like the fact that my husband had murdered and he was cheating on me and all those things. It was like, it it took me back to every bombarding thought of who I thought I was and what role I played. Like, Oh, if you were a better wife, this wouldn't happen if you were. And it was, it's just like the fear wasn't just in the moment, taking me back to a moment of words. It was taking me back to like all these beliefs of who I thought people were going to think I was as I walked around town and people stared at me like, Oh, no wonder he cheated on her. Like all of these fears would just like whirl. So the, the, the ringing doorbell that took me clear back there, like didn't just, just for a second, take me back. It would like push me down back into that dark heavy, emotional, emotionally driven things that I thought were truths. And I would just carry them around for days again. And it was like, I just couldn't breathe getting out of it because I would just keep getting triggered back to it. 
So how did you learn? Like how I know it's been lots of work and lots of doing and lots of living that hasn't just gone away. You know, like have to face that every day. But how have you learned to claim the spirit God gave you of power and of love and of a sound mind and recognize when you're going to fear? Like how do you interrupt that? How do you how do you do that? For me, step one is just like acknowledging that it isn't real. Going back, like when you do go back to those moments going, okay, what am I feeling here? And it's, it's freaking scary to let yourself go back to those moments, especially because when you're triggered back, you feel so out of control and vulnerable. But if you like purposefully go back, okay, I'm feeling it coming on. I want to look at this from a different perspective, not put myself in it and feel it and just drag it around for the next six weeks until I can just kind of get through it, but go back and go, okay, if I was to look in from the outside, what would I hear inside of my brain? And I, I literally like wrote them down for pages of, of all of these lies that I had been living for so long and just really looking at a perspective, like, from heavenly father's view. Does he believe that about me? Did he believe me that about me in that moment? Did he really think I was just this worthless, horrible mother, just ugly, just had a baby overweight, like all these things. Did he think that about me? Then why do I keep allowing myself to think that about me? And I just, I feel like I just kind of like chisel them away. Like, no, Satan, I'm done living for you. I have a purpose here. And it's not to keep reliving all these lies that you keep telling me. And yeah, so for me, it's just been like chiseling away and getting rid of all the darkness. So I could remember the truth that was there too. That day when I felt so weak and so vulnerable and so lost, what strengths did I have? I got out of bed the next day. I still took care of my children, even though it was like the hardest thing I could have ever imagined doing waking up in the night to feed a baby but he kept me going and I showed up for him even when I couldn't do it for myself like what strengths did I have through all of that what strengths did I have through working to try to help an addict become a better person and believing in him even when a lot of people would have just walked away and fighting and fighting fighting until Heavenly Father said you're done it's time for you to fight for yourself where, where was my strength? It's not all just weaknesses and darkness and lies. That stuff is not necessary for any of us to carry around because it doesn't get us anywhere but back to more of it. So cool. What I heard you say was so cool. What you just said, in my mind, you just said something as simple as your declaration when you recognize, no, fear is not the spirit God gave me. No, I, God gave me a different spirit than that. And I am done serving you, Satan. And then simply just noticing, what am I doing to live for God? Because I think you said, I'm done living for you, Satan. I think that's what you said. I'm done living for you. So what can I do today? What have I done today? What did I do yesterday that shows I am living? I'm showing up and I'm living for God. And acknowledging that's what that is, that it's coming from that place of the spirit he gave you of power and of love and of a sound mind. But to be able to recognize and declare often whenever needed that, no, I don't live for those lies. I I live for God. I live for the spirit he gave me to show up and be. 
And then to just the simplest little things that you're doing to live is so much part of healing or all of us when we have those days of, oh, why do I have to get out of bed today? Like it's right. going to be the same story as yesterday. It's going to hurt. It's going to be hard. Uh, I'm going to have to face that again and do all the stuff that I'm supposed to do pretending like I'm okay, you know? And right. so it's so cool to just, that's such a great goal to, to notice what are you doing and how are you living and acknowledge that even the littlest things are living for God if that's an intention, claiming that spirit. I love that. And if we want to put that into the parenting realm, like, okay, I'm going to, I have to give you stories because that's all I know how to learn from. I was um, hoping you'd get to a story. <laughs> So yeah. let's say we want to live for God in our parenting and we no longer want to live for Satan. We have to take away a lot of expectations of who we think our children need to be to complete us or to make us be successful. We have to like, okay, so my, my son Teague went through a phase where he would only wear shorts and a t-shirt, no matter what it was doing. When there was this much snow, he didn't give a rip and he would not wear his coat and he would hide it and he would, he would leave it on on the playground, he just wouldn't do it. Right. And my first reaction for a while was, dude, everybody's going to think I'm a bad mom. Like you have to wear your coat. This is, this is something you have to do for me to show the world what a good mom I am. Right. And then his mm -hmm. teacher even called and was like, Hey, does he have a coat? Do you need help? And I'm like, I'm going to decide in this moment to not own this for him. I'm not going to own this for him. And I, I said, you know, we're, we're doing okay. I'm still trying to figure out how to get him to want to be warm. So if you have any ideas for me, let me know and we'll work together. But until then, I want you to know these are his choices. And I'm, I'm not necessarily being supportive, but I'm allowing him to figure out what the consequence is going to be. And just like releasing all that pressure of who his teacher thought I was, who I needed him to be for me. I think that's how God kind of looks at us to like, Oh man, you're going to choose that choice. Yeah. I still love you, bro, but you're, you're going to have to figure out the consequences. I can't take those away from you. I can't take away the fact that you're going to be freaking freezing all day long without your coat, but I sure love you. And I'm not taking this on for you. And I think that's pretty freeing for me. Watch it. Even like with Boston going, when she asked me to share it first, I'm like, wouldn't you rather just have me tell people you're pregnant or something? Like we can do this differently than sharing this vulnerable thing that you are anorexic and you're going into a facility for who knows how long. And I really did say that. And she was laughing, but um, I wasn't serious, but at the same time, like this is her journey. This isn't about me. This isn't about what kind of parent I am or I was, or I'm not. It's about her walking with the savior and me walking with the savior and us cheering each other on side by side. It's not always about us as moms. We can't always blame ourselves or take everything on or, or think that if we did something different as a wife, that our husband wouldn't have done this and this and this, like everybody's on their own journey. We're just here to find the best version of ourselves and, and build that relationship with our God and help others along the way but we can't, we can't force them to be anything but who they are. But like you said, mother's by the tree. We just stand and go, come on, buddy. You got this. Keep coming. Keep coming, please. And if they don't, 
again, it's not a reflection of us. It's a reflection of their journey to find God for themselves. Ah, so good. That's so good. And this overarching realization and then working on the belief that if I do stay safe with God and trust he's doing his work with that mess, with my mess, me as a mess, he's doing his work. I can support that. But now that I know that I get sick trying to do it for him, now that I know that I ruin relationships when I try to make sure that you show everybody I'm good mom, that I'm doing my job right, you know, then I can just this realization of it's all about our journey with God. That was so beautiful. It's all about our journey with God and allowing him to do his work with us and other people that we love and not judging all of it. Right. So hard because it's supposed to look cool. For sure. Okay, so let's take it one step more. In an, in an eternal marriage, in a marriage that you want to last forever, again, our role, I, I didn't know this before. I thought our role was like, we have to do this together. Like, I'm going to pull you. I will drag you if I have to, to do what we're supposed to do. And after Emmett died and the way he died and his reflection of who he thought, like how he even saw me like did he want that? that those fears were so huge for me at the time like what does eternity what is forever even freaking look like for me and just letting go of of that and going you know what heavenly father knows my heart he knows what choices i've made and i am not dragging anybody anywhere because this is between me and heavenly father and he's going to work it all out and he has in so many ways and anyways just that whole letting go is so freeing for us as, as mothers, as wives, as sisters, whoever it is that you're trying to drag through life, just keep giving them back to God and send the savior to them. Like I literally will lay in bed sometimes like, okay, Boston's having a rough day. I can feel it. Just send the savior to her. Cause I can't, I can't lift her today. I'm not even there, but I know he can. Mm. That's beautiful. Wow. You know, there are story. You are such a wonderful storyteller. Like if any of you ever have the opportunity to go to Ashley's events or read her blog, she's a great writer and storyteller. And she just uses life, the stories in life and in her life to tell those things. But Ashley, can you think of a story, maybe a funny mom story, just any story that you'd love to share about parenting life and how it gets lifey, just and how it gets lifey. Oh, yeah. so this is the first one that popped in my mind. I've told you heard this one before because you've been to some of my events and I've shared it, but I was searching. Well, I was at Costco, just normal every day life. It was, I think it was still summer. And I found this cute little costume for my little Clea. And I was like, threw it in my cart. Didn't think twice about it. She got home and I'm like, here's what you're going to be for Halloween this year. I don't know why they're selling Halloween costumes. It's like four months away, but we threw it in her closet. Didn't think much about it. And 
she put it on that day and I could tell like something wasn't quite right. She was just like, okay, I guess I'll be rainbow dash. And we got to the first door and this lady looked down at her and she's like, Oh my gosh, rainbow dash. You're so cute. And click, she was like, I think she was four. No joke. She was like, okay. So just so you know, my mom picked out this outfit when I was at school. And she was mad. Like the whole time she was getting free candy. She was getting the Halloween supposed to be like the happiest day of your life. She was just mad the entire time. And I, I literally have used that so many times, just picturing myself, like Henley father throws this outfit on me, throws this experience, throws this trauma, throws whatever it was that I'm having a pity party about. And it, no matter how much free candy, no matter how many people handed me things or told me how great I was, like, I couldn't feel it. I was just like, oh, just so you know, Heavenly Father threw me into this whole situation. Like, this was not my doing. I, mm -hmm. I've loved that story, just picturing that stubborn girl. And I am that stubborn girl in life so many times, wishing during during the hardest parts that I could just, like, fast forward them and just make sure everybody know, like, I do not want this. I, I don't want to be the girl with 500 last names. Like, why is this my story? But really just letting go and saying, you know what? How many father picked out this outfit? And I trust that he has good style. I'm just going to go with it. That's so good. One of the things we talked about and one of the things that we say often, and I've just come to have a, a literal testimony of this. And it is that, you know, you've been so good at portraying, you know, this isn't the outfit I wanted. This isn't the story that I would have like picked and written for myself. But the way that you have shown up in it has offered so much light and grace to everyone. And you've done it in an, the opposite way that most women would consider approaching that. You know, they would consider, you know, let's keep this on the down low. Let's, let's not share this with everybody. And because of that, I think you are maybe a great example of this statement that I have a testimony of, and it is, no matter how messy it gets, there's always a message and a miracle in every mess. What would you say about that before we get to the top of the hour? Yeah, I think looking back, like I, I said, we go back and we live through those traumas, but looking back and going, holy cow, look at where grace got us. It got us through. Like we could have still been stuck at that place where we were, but we're not. We're here. And I, for me, I feel like I would not have been able to turn it into any form of message or hope if that fear would have been what was driving me. I know that like I, I had faith that God knew I where I was just like I've been reminded lately with my daughter like he doesn't forget us and holding on to that faith even though sometimes it was so dark like I literally couldn't even see to to move forward but just holding on and saying okay I trust you I trust you and then when I came to the point where he's like okay now I, now you went through all that crap now I need you to share it there were times there was like oh no 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 like we shove under the rug wad it up in a big heap and we just keep going and pretending that everything's okay. And he just kept going, no, no, no. Like I need you to share it. And I'm like, there's no way I'm ever going to do that. 
but that that trust that I I had in him after like the 40th time that he asked me to do it, I was like, you know what? Okay. Okay. I'm going to do this. And those leaps of faith, kind of like my little girl right now is learning how to like get over stuff and, and not trip over pillows. She just gets up and she's like, so determined she falls and she just keeps going. That's the kind of, that's the kind of perseverance that it takes to get through this life. Like, I don't care if that pillow just tried to knock me down. I'm still going to go and just keep going, keep going. And everything that you feel like you need to do in your life, if you have that, that lightness coming towards that feeling, just do it. Like it's scary as heck. And for me, it's been very triggering to be vulnerable and have some people use it against me, say heart hurtful things, those kind of things. But it's also given me even a, like a bigger shell to just go, this is who I am. And I'm going to keep being me. We love you. And we are so glad that you have decided to be you in that way. Because really, it's brought so much healing to so many people. So thank you so much. Thank you. All right, April, I'm going to turn the time back over to you for some last minute things. And then we're going to go back to our Q&A with Ashley. Okay, awesome. Well, thanks everybody so much for being here. And I'm just going to recap a little bit. If you want to know more about Ashley's story, go to her uh, website, her blog at themomentswestand.com. And there you can read more about the stories of her journey through her, her first husband, her divorce, her widowhood, her new marriage, her children, her helping her daughter through what she's going through right now. There's lots of videos on there. There's even an interview with Karen if you want to see that. So if you want more information, go to themomentswestand.com. Also check out Ashley's nonprofit organization where she does conferences, a reason to stand.org. And she, she's really working to help other individuals who have suffered through trauma. So when the end of, of this webinar, when she was talking about Heavenly Father, you're telling her, you need to share your story. There are other people that need to hear this. That's what these are about. And she's all about helping other women. So a reason to stand.org. She normally does conferences, obviously, with COVID-19 in 2020. She hasn't done this year because nobody's doing conferences this year live. But <laughs> watch watch her website for when she uh, starts doing those again in the future. So check her out on Facebook and Instagram at The Moments We Stand and also at A Reason to Stand. And then also don't forget to go check out her books on Amazon.com. The first one is Silence Breaks and the second one is Out of the Shadows. So anyway, thank you everybody for being here. Remember, if you want to take our mom power training and learn more about some of the things that Karen and Ashley talked about, about how you can recognize truth, about how you can stand with and for the Savior in everything that you do, about how you can stay by the tree and beckon your children to come there, how you can just let go and realize that you are not the Savior. Your kids have a Savior and it's not us moms. I'm sorry, it's not. We're here to help him in his work and he will do his work. So that's what Mom Power is about. Go to mompowertraining.com or mompowertraining.org. It's a free online eight-week series for everybody. You can take it at your own pace. So if you have any questions about anything 
that you've heard here or about life-changing services in general, visit our website at lifechangingservices.org or feel free to call and talk to any of our amazing ladies that answer the phones and will answer any of your questions. And you're welcome to call them at 877-437-6877. And if life-changing services directly can't help you, we do have lots of resources that we're aware of that we can also direct you wherever it is you may need. And then also visit our website, motherswhoknow.org. That's our parent support organization who is sponsoring these awesome webinars. Check it out. We have lots of free support programs and free support classes and just resources. That's the word I'm looking for. Lots of resources for parents and for moms specifically. So now that we're at the top of the hour, we're going to open it up for questions. So feel free to just ask Ashley or Karen a question, or if you would rather not, this meeting is recorded and it will be posted on our podcast channel and sent out to everybody that's registered. So if you'd rather not be on the recording, that's totally fine. We get that. Feel free to put your question or comment in the chat and we'll get to as many of those as we can. Thanks, April. Does anybody have something they'd like to ask Ashley more information about something? I do. Yeah. Hi, Ashley. Yeah. Hey, how are you? <laughs> Good. So I just kind of had a question more about dealing with guilt and remorse. When I went through my big trauma, my ex-husband was incarcerated when my children were super young. My son was six and my daughter was newborn, two weeks old. Hard. And when he was incarcerated, pretty much everything got flipped upside down. Like I didn't, I didn't even know what he had been doing and my house got repossessed. I moved in with my parents. I was dealing with my own things. Anyways, the guilt that I have basically is I spent so much time during his incarceration, like surviving. Does that make sense? Just like, just, I got to feed my kids, blah, blah, blah. That now now that that's all over and things are so much better. I mean, you know, I'm from Idaho and I moved here cause I married Ryan. And now that that's over now, I'm feeling all this stuff. Like, I don't know what my son looked like when he was 10 years old. I did not retain that. I don't remember what my daughter did when she was three. I don't remember. I spent so much time just surviving that I don't, I feel like I was gypped on being their mom. And I had so much hope. I had my parents, I had my siblings, but I want it all back. And now my son is 18. He's graduating and I'm like terrified. He's going to be gone. And I missed so much. I missed five years that I just want back. So, and it kind of, you did kind of answer the question when you said all this stuff comes out when you feel safe. Well, we all do. My son struggled so much and my daughter is still struggling and she's on medication and we're dealing with her stuff, but it wasn't until we moved here when I could be aware when Ryan was taking such good care of us that all this stuff came out. But how do I just get over that anger of missing so much, I guess? Yeah, that's such a great question. I feel like I can totally relate to what you're saying. Even my two youngest at the time, I've been sharing memories about Boston because we've been trying to help her remember who she was back then before all this trauma and stuff. And my two little ones are like, well, what do you remember about when I was a kid? And it kind of like hit me hard. I was like, honestly, I don't. But I remember that we went to the park. 
I remember that every day we got up and we, we, we ate food somehow. I don't know. I don't know what it was or what your favorites were. Like I, I feel you girl, but I think kind of like what I was saying, when you go back, you were the one that was there. Like your husband was the one that left. That's what they remember. You were there every single day, whether or not you have these memories where you could write in their baby book, what happened isn't as important as the fact that you were there and you've got them through some crazy crap. And yeah, so just letting go of that guilt and focusing on the fact that you were the one that was there for them, I think would probably be helpful, but also just, I don't know, just appreciating the fact that somehow they got food, somehow they're all still healthy and yes, they're going to go through struggles, but the struggles weren't because of you. Like let your, let your ex-husband own those struggles. Don't take those on for him. The str- their struggles now aren't because you were in a fog or anything like that. They're because you guys were put through some crazy crap and together you made it through. Not perfectly. We're going to, we're going to have keep working through, but you're still there for them. So Ashley, there's a question in the chat. When you're in trauma yourself, how do you support and help your children when you feel like you can't function at all? Oh man, that is a rough one. Uh, For me, it was a whole lot of prayer, a whole lot of, you know, the natural, like my natural reaction was, okay, let's like go to Ross and just go shopping and not, and I, I just had to like consciously go, nope this kid needs me today. We're going to sit on the floor and we're going to color. And even though I'm kind of dying inside, I'm going to serve him because service for, there's no way I'm going to reach out way past my family, but just serving the people who are right here, who need me to show up the most, even if I have to fake it today, I want them to know that they are important. And I think for me, I just had to keep going. These kids are hurting too. So I could take it and go, you know what? It's too hard. I'm going back to bed. You guys figure it out. But I wanted to give my kids a story. And ever since they were born, I wanted to give them this amazing story and circumstances made it. So they were going to have a hard story. So I, I think for me, I just did my part in every way to make sure they had some good and some light in their story and just refocusing. It's so hard. You guys, it is so hard. Thanks, Ashley. Another one from the chat. When it comes to children ages nine and younger who have witnessed their father's battle with drug addiction and the confusion about his behavior, is it beneficial to tell the kids the truth instead of just saying, dad is struggling and he needs time and space? Or do you wait till they're much older and leave your answers vague for now? Okay, so my my thoughts on that would be get really prayerful. I had some kids who would find out little things and they'd ask me, even just telling them that their dad had died and like how he died. My first reaction was, okay, I'm just gonna tell him he got in a wreck. He loves them. We're done. We, but I never wanted to like, once they do find out the truth, whether they find him doing those drugs or whatever, whatever the truth is for your children, if they find out the truth and they feel like you've lied to them, I was always scared that they'd be like, they, they think I was the liar. Like, Oh, we just saw on the news that this and this and this happened. Mom told us it was a car wreck. So lies are what got me where I was. And it sounds like there's some major lies that have gotten you guys where you are. So step-by-step as you feel impressed, as you pray about what information they need, 
I would keep it always as truth and truth doesn't have to be, here's everything. Here's everything I found, even though you're eight years old, but Hey, daddy's struggling with some addiction, even like words that are real and true and minimal as possible when they're young, if, if that's what you feel, but, but always share truth. I think. Great. The next one, Ashley, when you have kids do hard things that are different than you, let's see, that are different than you hope or taught. How do you not tie those things into poor mothering? Let's let me think about this. Well, agency, just knowing that your child, I think my mom was a good example. She had, I had a brother who was like, didn't talk to us for many years. He had all these things going on, bad choices. And every Christmas I would find my mom like wrapping up his presents and sending him like, why do you care anymore? Like, just let it go. He doesn't care about you. You don't have to care about him. And she said, you know, someday he's going to have either something happen or something's going to happen where he, he goes, um, looking for truth. And I want him to always know that he was safe here. And I really love that example. And I've tried to use that in my life, like little things. If my kids on a fast Sunday decide they don't want to fast instead of me turning into it about me, like, well, this is what I know. And these are decisions I, I'm making today and just really letting go of, of the decisions that our children make being upon us. Does that even make sense? But yeah, just, just being there with love because they are going to make mistakes. That's why they're here. So they can overcome the world and find God. And if you are that source of light that they always know, not that you have to like shove light into their face, but just being who you are and choosing the good choices that you do one day, I believe if you keep just being faithful to what you know you're supposed to do. And it might be a minimal way. They might just turn to you for support when they have a baby or whatever it is, but just being, being that example in their life, I think is really important. Thanks, Ashley. Right, this one's long. I've always struggled with self-esteem. Now I have a 12-year-old in trauma who is constantly turning all of it and attacking me. You've said some good things. How would you deal with a child who is making it so hard to be around at all? And then just as a added, she said, and she's choosing to go to her dad's choices constantly to not be with me or believe me. Oh, kind of like the last question. I think... Everyone handles their trauma different, but she's going to know who, like who you were for her, giving her boundaries saying, oh yeah, you, you can't talk to me like that, but I'm here and I love you. And just keep like being that steady for her. I remember times when I reached out, like, I was like, I'm going to maybe move with my dad. And I was harder on my mom, but I always knew that she loved me and she was that just steady person. And just like we were talking about, you don't, you didn't remember your kid's childhood, like, but they remember that you were there. I don't know. I, I've just found a lot of, of light, just knowing that I'm going to try my best and I'm going to give boundaries where, where needed because I'm, I'm not going to be treated in ways that don't bring the spirit to me, but I'm going to be here for my kids. Thanks. All right, here's another one from the chat. As I am recovering from betrayal trauma, 
I am realizing that my husband is not stepping up to preside, protect, and provide emotional support and prepare what has happened. I am surrendering that expectation, but what is my role then to be both parents when he is not leading? That one's so hard because you see how it affects your kids and you're like, but they deserve this. They deserve this. For me during, during those phases, I, I had to really just like change my mindset to what they deserve is like, if I know that they deserve that, I'm going to make sure I give it to them. If they have no relationship with their dad, again, that is on him. And I'm going to give them everything that I can. And when they're hurting through that, I'm going to let them come and talk to me and I'm going to keep going, you know, he's going through his own stuff, but I'm right here. Just keep being that like solid foundation. Cause again, we don't get to choose the choices that our spouses make or our kids make. We just get to choose who we are like sitting here being mad at a husband for not showing up in a way that he could show up. Isn't going to help your child. It's going, to, it's going to create feelings inside of you where you're just angry at things and you might get more snippy because you're expecting somebody else to, to do what they clearly should be doing in a lot of ways. But just, I don't know, for me, it was easier to just go, I am here and I'm going to do everything. If I need to go out and play baseball with you because you're watching the neighbor boy play baseball with his dad, I'm your, I'm your guy. I'll put on a baseball hat and pretend I'm a dude. I don't care what, whatever you need. Like I can't expect it from anybody else. I can ask and beg and plead, but, but ultimately like, I'm just going to know that I have the potential to give you what you need. I had a, my kids had a bus driver one time. This is, this is an example of that. They had a bus driver one time that was like getting on the loudspeaker after he yelled the F word out the window and saying like, Hey kids do the right thing. Don't tell your parents just weird stuff. And so I, after trying to get rid of them and telling the bus system, blah, 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 blah. And wishing that it would be different and nobody was changing anything. I was fine. Like, you know, what? I am so capable of driving my kids to school. I will have to go there five times every day or whatever, six times every day. I don't know how many times, but I know that I can play that role better than this man who should have been doing it the right way. And so I did for like a year. I just was driving to the school all day long with different age groups, but just taking that power away from people who are hurting you and just saying, okay, well, I know I have strength to get things done. And when I ask and nothing comes back, I don't know. We almost have to just like trust that God is going to bless us to be able to do it in the ways that he sees those kids need. Hey, Ashley, I just want to tell you, thanks so much for being here. Your story is amazing. And thank you for everything you've shared. Yes, thank you for being here. So there is one more question that came in the chat. Ashley, if you have a sister or a friend in trauma, what's the best way to support them? I think, again, just meeting them where they are. I had a lot of people show up and be like, well, you need to, you, you, this, this is real. And this is what really happened. This is how you need to be feeling. And you need to not be moving on, but you need to be, well, how are you not, how are you already moving on? Like, there's just so many opinions that you just start to feel like claustrophobic. And I loved the people that would just come and just sit like, Hey, this kind of sucks. I'm like, yeah, it sucks. And they'd let me be goofy. If I needed to be goofy, they wouldn't judge me. Like when I get nervous or have like racing thoughts. I just like tell random jokes about stuff. And it was like, so freeing when people would just laugh with me, like, this isn't even funny. Like nothing's funny about this day, 
but I just needed to laugh about stupid crap. So just letting them be wherever they are, I think is the best thing to do. And I know a lot of people are like, well, I didn't know, should I reach out? Should I not totally reach out, always reach out, but don't reach out with an expectation that you're going to be able to help them or change things or do anything for them. Just reach out in love. <laughs> this is a great question. Any recommendations for dealing with a stubborn child or stubborn personalities? You guys, my whole house is stubborn children and stubborn personalities. I could talk all day about mm -hmm. this. I, well, even when my kids are super little, like Kennedy right now, she is one of the stubborn ones. All my girls, you guys, I don't know where they get it from. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So I, I, I've learned with the little, little, little babies are kind of my expertise, like sleep, baby sleep. I'm like the pro. And then they start talking and I'm like, oh no, you didn't. No, I'm in charge here kind of feeling, but I just really give them boundaries from the beginning. Like Kennedy right now, I'll say, okay, well, you want to get down. I, I can see that because you're freaking out, but I need you to use a word, any word, any word. And I will let you down. And she'll like, and, and finally I'll be like, let's do this. I'll help you mommy. And she's like, mommy can, can, but just the expectations of you don't just going to throw fit and get whatever you want. And you don't just get to talk to me and think that you're not going to have a consequence. I, I'm, I think I would say my parenting, like I have so much love for my children, but I also have expectations of how they're going to treat each other and how they're going to treat me. And if my expectations aren't met, then the expectations that they have to be able to go run around with their friends and go do things that they want to do. I don't meet those for them either. So we have a we have a good balance of, Hey, if you're going to show up like this, then I'm not going to be able to show up like this here. I'm not going to drive you places. I'm not going to, but yeah. So stubborn, stubborn children, I think need extra boundaries, even though they're going to push them and be like, Oh, I hate you. I don't want to, I don't, they really do want them. They want to know where they're safe and you're going to show up the same every day. So you just keep being consistent. Like, Oh, you just scaled again. So I guess we're not watching the TV show. We're going to do something different and it will get louder and things will get harder at first, but eventually they'll go, Oh, yeah, mom's not gonna put up with my crap. So I better show up how, how she wants me to if I want the results that I want at any age, even babies <laughs> or older <laughs> or older. This is a great ending question. And then I'm sure Karen will wrap up for us. Ashley, can you share what helps you to stay close to the spirit and to your kids so you can see more clearly when they are struggling? Oh, let me see. You know, there were many times where I could tell a specific child, even if they were in counseling or something was just like off. Like right now, my Boston is gone and her twin sister, there's just been so many things that I'm like, wow, how do I even help this girl? So really, you know, I don't, I don't go with friends a lot. I don't have a lot of like girl stuff that I go do. I've kind of made this my passion just to be here for my children. Even having COVID this year has been so nice because I've really just been able to focus just on them, which I know that's not always the case for every mom, but every chance you get, like I specifically asked Heavenly Father before I go to bed, this kid is hurting. I know she's hurting. Like guide me to say the right thing, to do the right thing to, and sometimes it's like, you know, Teague just needs you to take him to McDonald's and get him some food and laugh with him in the car. Let him tell jokes. 
And sometimes it's like, you need to sit down with this kid and really dig deep. But every kid and every situation is just so different. So just prayer. I'm telling you, I literally say probably thousands of prayers every day, walking up the stairs. Like I want to beat this kid. If you have any other ideas, Heavenly Father, now would be a good time for you to express to me what other ideas I could try. Because right now I just want to like punch him in the face. Do you have any other ideas? But he, he always brings to mind for us if we ask, like, and, and sometimes you might get, well, figure it out, dude. Like this is your kid. No, I'm just kidding. But, but most of the time I just feel like if we ask for his help, he wants that child to feel as loved as we want to feel. And the different ways different kids feel love, really, I think we can, we can get inspiration. It's important to Heavenly Father because they're his kids first. Thank you so much, Ashley. I'm just so grateful. I feel so full of joy that you were here today and that we had the opportunity to have you be part of this webinar series. Thank you. Again. Thank you for having me. What you guys do is amazing. And I'm, I'm grateful to add a little bit to it. Yeah, you definitely did. So gals, thank you so much for being here. And we look forward to seeing you in our mom power training. Love you gals. Thanks, Ashley. Love you. Thank you so much, Karen. Love you. Thank you for being with us today, Warrior Moms. I invite you to make a donation at the top of our website, mothersyouknow.org. Any amount you can afford today will help us keep Mothers Who Know services free for all moms. Thank you so much for your generosity. Moms, remember your divine identity and great worth. Continue in your courageous efforts to support God's great work. Notice the miracles you see every day, the evidence of the Savior's love and mercy. Find the message in your message. Reach out and share the principles you learn in Mothers You Know with other mothers. You are God's secret weapon for good in this world. Finally, a few pieces of information for you. I recommend a few other podcast channels to listen to. Like Dragons Do They Fight podcast, that includes interviews and stories with those that have struggled and overcome something in their life. The Eternal Warriors podcast, hosted by two YSA eight young men who share their story, teach valuable lessons, and interview special guests. And The Clark and Linda Show, a courageous couple that shares their journey of pornography addiction and how that affected their marriage and family. You can follow us on our social media pages on Facebook under mothersyouknow.lcs or search for Mothers You Know and on Instagram, username at mothers underscore who know. Last, if you would like additional support and training, please go to mompowertraining.com to sign up for the next eight-week mom power training class for all moms. You can also go to the Mothers You Know website at mothersyouknow.org or our parent company, Life Changing Services at lifechangingservices.org to learn more about our excellent services to support you and your loved ones. And by the way, if you do enroll in a program, use our promo code MWK on the enrollment form to get $25 off a Sense of Human intake session. Thank you so much for listening today. Please feel free to email me anytime with questions or to set up a complimentary 30-minute appointment to visit. Please email me at mothersyouknow at lifechangingservices.org. Looking forward to hearing from you amazing moms. See you next time.